Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen. Joined today by all, oh, it's that time of year again. The draft is now less than a month away by one day. So I'm joined today by our senior draft analyst back with us for a second year, Ryan Kearney. I have not scared him out of my life yet. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. I'm excited to talk about some wide receivers today. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Eric. Uh, Always a pleasure to be chatting about the incoming talent entering the National Football League. Always a fun time of year and feel like things have kind of picked up a little bit. You know, we're through the combine and we're getting some pro days going on. So I feel like there's a lot of uh, buzz going on around the draft uh, with teams kind of gearing in on that a little bit more uh, with trades and, you know, with free agency kind of still going on. But uh, teams are kind of solidifying their rosters, thinking about what they're going to be doing in the draft and uh yeah should be a lot of fun to to get ready for it uh yeah as you said a little bit less than a month away yeah i'll be honest i have not really started any draft prep until today i have no clue what what's coming up i've played mock draft simulator once or twice but after about the top 10 picks i get really lost and i'm like okay who are these guys and and that just tells me i need to be talking to ryan because he's 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 got it all the information on lock you're you're pretty good with the first and second round guys and you you've always got some good picks for the later rounds as well so i'm excited to get to chatting with you about that i did want to touch briefly there has been some nfl news since the last time the show was recorded due to the owners meeting uh most notably lamar jackson uh publicly put out there that he requested a trade from the ravens on march 2nd we kind of already knew that existed but my question for you on this will be this, Ryan, because I, I I have a certain way I feel about this. Will the Lamar Jackson situation be resolved, either him having a new contract or him being on a new team by week one of the preseason? Yeah, this is definitely, you know, kind of a murky situation and something that could kind of linger on a little bit. I think that since the pre-draft process has happened and since a team has not yet jumped on the opportunity to match a Ravens contract and offer up, you know, two first round picks to the Ravens. I don't think we will see it before the draft, which then brings us to kind of the longer term game, as you said, you know, getting towards week one of the season, which I think the most logical outcomes are one of three things. One Lamar Jackson says, all right, I'll suck it up. I'll end up playing for the Ravens. You know, we'll just kind of leave it at that. But given how things have kind of gone to this point i don't necessarily know if i think that would be the most likely with jackson just ending up playing on that franchise tag another option could be the ravens continue to play hardball with jackson and no move is made and jackson ends up holding out and says this is now my leverage on you baltimore ravens i can just sit out as long as i want i'm a talented enough player that somebody else would pay me after next season even if i don't play a situation we saw a couple of years ago with Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know, and obviously a different position and whatnot, but uh, something that could happen. Or the other reality that another team decides, yep, we're going to end up doing this situation where we're going to offer a contract for Jackson. We're comfortable paying two first round picks. And I think that would most likely happen after the end of this year's draft, because obviously a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, they pick, you know, in the top 10, top 15 of the draft. You project next season, us with Lamar Jackson, you know, hopefully we're in uh, more of a spot where we're competing for a playoff spot no matter who that is so i think that you know we'll just have to kind of wait and see until after the draft 
Could it be a team that, you know, kind of comes up short in kind of that QB hunt, whether it be the Colts or the Commanders uh, are, are a couple of teams that come to mind. Uh, are the New York Jets a team that, uh, you know, things don't end up working out with Aaron Rodgers for some reason? I know Joe Douglas has said that he does not think Lamar Jackson is a possibility, but I think there's going to be a handful of teams that, depending on how things shake out with these rookie quarterbacks in the draft, would be interested in Lamar Jackson uh, and, you know, how things have played out with, with Jackson, you know, not having an agent and uh, all of that kind of fun, you know, side, uh, you know, context to the situation. Uh, I think honestly, at this point, I may think that it's most likely for Jackson to end up playing for another team. Uh, but we wouldn't know that until obviously after the draft, when a team's willing to make a move like that. Also makes sense for teams to trade after the draft. Cause there might be teams that really weren't Lamar right now, but they're just playing their cards close to the vest because it makes sense. Like go draft like a ton of wide receivers, go draft like a super great, explosive passing offense and then go mortgage your future for Lamar Jackson and then just be like, okay, when we're in the playoffs and perennially contending, you'll have picks in like twenties and thirties. Like it's that's not that big a deal. So I, I think that's one other thing I'll be watching. I think doing like a, I've already, I'm already thinking ahead. I feel like during that dead period in like June, will be a good time to do like uh who needs to go get Lamar Jackson episode because like then we'll we'll kind of have a sense of what the rosters look like and it could very well be New England. I, I still, you know, I know that there was some cold water put on that today, but I think that if the Patriots somehow got like New Hopkins and maybe drafted a wide receiver, they might go out and say, hey, Let's go get Lamar Jackson. That that seems like a kind of likely outcome, but that's that's all I'm really thinking. Switching to the Patriots, uh, Robert Kraft had a really interesting quote where he basically said uh, the expectation next year is for the Patriots to make the playoffs. But if you listen to the quote, he says it with such a tone that makes you think. And and really, it was the question that uh, that this up the question was do you see bill belichick as the long-term answer for your franchise and you can just easily put that to bed by saying bill's been great for us he's brought us tons of super bowls we are extremely happy with what bill belichick has done he said i'd like him to catch don shula's record but we don't keep players around to break records we are I expect us to be a playoff team next year, basically, is, is what he said. There were reports late in the last year that he did not like the Matt Patricia thing. He he said at the owners' meetings he thought Patricia got put in a bad spot. Like, I think there's been clear signs that the Patriots have shift. There's been a power shift back to Robert Kraft, where Bill Belichick is now just a coach again. And it just would not shock me if this year, if this year is bad for them again, and by bad, I mean bad by Patriots standards. So like six, seven wins, maybe eight wins even. I would not be shocked if he said, all right, Bill, you have one of two options. You can either get fired or we bring in a GM. And then at that point, it's like, what does Bill Belichick value more, his job or complete roster control? So I, I think it's, It'll be interesting to see what happens in New England, but I, I just wondered uh, your thoughts on on that line of thinking. 
Yeah, it's an interesting situation. And I mean, I think the post Brady Patriots era has certainly not gone, you know, according to plan. You know, it seemed like for a while there, they were kind of set up. We feel like Jimmy G will be our guy. Obviously, they make the trade uh, of him sending him to the 49ers. Brady's going to end up staying longer. Brady then ends up leaving, going to Tampa Bay. You know, they're kind of in a tough spot for one year. It's Cam Newton. Uh, I feel like that maybe kind of caught him off guard, which you wouldn't necessarily think would kind of be the case with, you know, an organization like the Patriots that was in the Super Bowl kind of year in and year out. But, uh, you know, and then even you look at, you know, the Mac Jones time, it's like, okay, well, you took a rookie quarterback and there's going to be some growing pains with that. But I feel like they did not surround him enough talent to kind of maximize the potential of this roster. And that also falls under Bill Belichick, obviously not just the coach, but, uh, you know, running all the personnel. So uh, I think that, you know, there's a lot of fair criticism for Robert Kraft. You know, I think uh, obviously you look at the Raiders game at the end of the year last year and you're just like, man, you're kind of palms up. Like, how can something like this possibly happen, uh, you know, to a team? And, uh, you know, the, the roster moves, the coaching decisions, you mentioned Pat, Matt Patricia, but, you know, the wide receiver position is just, I feel like, very patchwork together. They go out, they get Juju Smith-Schuster this offseason, but, uh, you know, even still, uh, you know, that's kind of a replacement for Jacoby Myers who you let go and was pretty productive for you. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily know if you have surrounded Mac Jones with enough weapons to, you know, potentially, you know, be, you know, the quarterback you want him to be as a former first round pick so I don't know if necessarily Lamar Jackson is going to be the right answer for them but they're in a tough division you know they've got a quarterback on a rookie deal you know what is kind of that next step it might end up being you know a coaching change uh in the in the you know kind of uh, next level planning uh, for what Robert Kraft may be thinking, but you know, we'll have to see, obviously Bill Belichick has earned, uh, you know, all that he has been given and uh, you know, is probably the coach that has earned the benefit of a doubt in any situation. So uh, who knows the Patriots maybe kind of surprise some people this year, but in a tough division, you know, I think maybe Kraft kind of foresees some struggles on the horizon and um, you know, wants to make that known, uh, you know, going into the season. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. All right, the piece de resistance, the, the reason you are here, Ryan Kearney, the NFL draft coming up in, in just under a month from now. Before we get started, today's focus is going to be mainly wide receivers, which, uh, you know, I like doing wide receivers and quarterbacks and stuff because it's pretty easy to tell if you watch their highlights, like what kind of players they're going to be. Um, tell me about this draft class. Like, is this how... A, if someone said, okay, Ryan, I need you to just give me like a general summary of this year's draft class and how it compares to other years draft classes, how, how are you describing it? Yeah, I think that initially when I hear that question, I kind of think of it in two ways. And the first immediate thing I think of when you ask how good is the draft class, as you look at one position and you look at the quarterbacks, we want to know, is there a position, you know, is there a player out there that can be a franchise changer at the quarterback position every single year? You know, you can evaluate the quality of a draft by the top quarterbacks in the draft. And I think this year checks those boxes. We have a handful of potential first round quarterbacks and a handful uh, of what I think could be future Pro Bowl quarterbacks uh, in this draft. I think that, you know, generates a little bit of excitement out of a draft class for kind of the casual average follower. You got guys like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Uh, and, you know, Herndon Hooker is kind of a, a fun guy that, uh, you know, maybe kind of hangs around the five spot. I don't think a first round pick in any world, but, uh, you know, you have the quarterbacks. But, you know, then there's kind of, all right, well, yeah, the, you know, we like that. We like seeing ESPN highlighting the quarterback, showing the highlight reels, you know, the, the former days of Gruden QB camp, which are now long gone because of unfortunate. Fortunate emails after, uh, you know, a Raiders head coaching gob 
but the rest of the draft, I, I think that it's very kind of defensive heavy, you know, strong defensive linemen, incredibly strong corner class. I think this is probably the strongest corner class that I can remember scouting in, you know, the last four or five years, uh, you know, really since I've been kind of diving deep into, uh, you know, the draft prospects. Offensive side of the ball, you know, I think there are a couple of playmakers, a couple of offensive linemen that'll stand out, but I don't think necessarily as deep as we've had it in years past. So uh, I think that overall, you look at the draft and you say, yeah, it's probably about average, which when you look at most draft classes, they're probably about average that's why they're average so i don't think it's going to blow you away i don't think that we're going to be struggling and we're getting you know scrub prospects at the middle and end of first round i think it'll be a probably a pretty average draft class that's really kind of highlighted by the quarterbacks the defensive linemen and the cornerbacks great let's talk about the wide receivers today let me first ask you this question it seems like over the past four to five years Auto-drafting a wide receiver in the first or second round almost always pays off. You can kind of go through the list of guys taken in the first and second rounds in the NFL draft, and you can almost always say, okay, this is a contributor for an NFL team. Some bigger than others. Some you get superstars like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Others are are just good role players and and high upside guys like Chris Olave and you know Garrett Wilson and uh, other other players uh, like that. I'm sure I'm I'm forgetting more Traylon Burks for for example. Is this year's wide receiver class like that? Are most of these guys that project as round one and round two guys going to have an immediate impact in the NFL? And by that I mean receiving years in their rookie year between 800 and a thousand yards. Yeah, no, I think it's a really fair question because, you know, I, I when you were kind of touching on, you know, first and second round receivers, like as an Eagles fan, I'm like, man, we got Jalen Rager and he's already gone. And it's like, you know, is that even a an Jalen Rager is like the only one you can really point to, bro. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm pointing to him. So there you go. I'm <laughs> Eric, but I, you know, I think that this draft class kind of falls, you know, in similar line overall with the receivers, it's a smaller group. Like it's just, there's a lot of just smaller receivers, which, you know, on a surface level, you know, the, the people who are in scouting, they've done it a long time. They're going to say, well, you need to be an outlier now uh, to really kind of prove me wrong. If you don't have the size. And we've seen those outliers in recent years, we've seen Devonte Smith go on and have, you know, an outstanding career in first couple of years for the Philadelphia Eagles as kind of that flip side on, on Jalen Rager. But I think this year's class, you know, there's a lot to be desired. I think the last couple of years at receiver have definitely panned out a lot more of kind of, you know, bang on marquees day in, uh, you know, day one, you know, immediate impact players, you know, for example, in the, in the first round this year, I've got three players with first round grades. And on day two, I've got four players listed uh, as, you know, confident guys I could have going on day two. That's a total of seven players. And last year's draft 2022, I had six players ranked in just the first round alone. It was a much stronger class, even going back to 2020. 21, I had four receivers ranked in the first round and seven ranked in the in the day two portions, you know, 11 total players, you know, a little bit more depth we've seen at the receiver position in the last few years. Now, I would say I think we've gotten an explosion of great wide receiver talent the last three, four years in the draft the, there's been almost record setting, uh, you know, great performances from the receivers. I don't think this class matches up to those. Uh, I think it's among the weaker receiver classes we've had uh, in the last couple. Oh, OK. I still like to get excited about these guys. Though. Give me your kind of your top tier guys just right off the bat so people know, and I'll I'll, I'll yeah. probe you on one of them really yeah. quick. 
Yeah, I just mentioned the uh, the three guys I had ranked in the first round. Number one for me is Quentin Johnston, the uh, receiver out of TCU. Also have Jackson Smith and Jigba ranked in the first round, as well as Jordan Addison uh, out of USC, a uh, former pit transfer uh, as well. So I got Johnston, Smith, and Jigba, and Addison as my first round guys. Uh, Quentin Johnston to me, I'm just going to say something. I'd like you to react to it. To me, he's the guy that profiles most outside of maybe like a Zay Flowers of the guys you gave me that profiles most as like a true like X, like number one wide receiver is Quinn Johnston. He's got the body type, you know, he's he's fast. He he uh, he breaks tackles really well in the open field. He's strong. He's kind of got like an AJ Brown type build, like, but he's taller and he's faster. And I I don't think that he uh, no, I'm not saying he's going to be AJ Brown, uh, you, you know, obviously, uh, but he's just kind of the guy that sticks out to me is okay. Yeah, you plug him in on one of these offenses with a struggling quarterback, like say he falls, like most of these wide receivers might, because you know it's just deeper at, at cornerback, and that's really a position that more NFL franchise more that's more of a position of value right now, um. Like, if he ends up on a contender, like, what kind of season can he have? Like, say, say, let's just pretend he falls down to, like, I- I've got to pull up a draft order. But, like, l- let's say NFL draft order, because he probably doesn't fall to, like, the 30s where, like, the Bills and, and, and such and such are. But, like, say, say he falls to, like, something manageable like the Minnesota Vikings at 23 or the Ravens at 22 or or even the Chargers who are looking to probably add more weapons if he ended up with a guy like a Justin Herbert or a Kirk Cousins or a Trevor Lawrence or even a Daniel Jones like what what kind of upside do you think he has in year one yeah, well, it's interesting to me you mentioned the the quarterbacks in those spots. I think kind of equally as important is the other receivers in that room where Johnson's going. I don't think he can step in and be a number one receiver on day one. Very few uh, guys, uh, you know, even elite top receiver prospects. You know, we, we can look at a Jamar Chase from a couple of years ago. You know, he's, you know, uh, kind of an outlier in that. But, uh, you know, even guys like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, like those top tier, you know, high, you know, top 10 first round picks. It took him a year or two to kind of get there. And it took him until AJ, Brown or Tyreek Hill got on their roster for us to kind of see them blossom and see some of their full potential uh, in their careers. I think Johnson is a little bit similar. I like the upside there. I love the yards after catch. I think that's something that separates him from almost any other receiver in this class outside of the size. Cause I mentioned it's a small receiver class. Johnston coming in at six, three, two Oh eight, you know, offers you a little bit of size that you like, you know, a, a lot of his kind of body type comparisons you see to guys like Darius Slayton or DJ Chark, who certainly are more wide receiver twos and threes than they are wide receiver ones but I think Johnston you know he kind of separated himself on a really strong TCU team uh, you know that made it all the way to the national title game and sure you can look at the last game and say yeah Keely Ringo the Georgia cornerback kind of shut him down but he was really kind of the focal point on that TCU offense Georgia knew they had to kind of shut him down I think what Johnston's shown is his career is that he can be kind of a big play threat and you know the fact that he offers you a little bit of size you know generates enough upside for me uh, for him to warrant you know that first 
first round selection. And uh, certainly, like I said, you know, landing spot is a, is a big piece of the puzzle. You know, if he does go a little bit later where there's a little bit more foundation, a couple other receivers in that room where he's going to be able to benefit from playing either outside or in the slot. He did that both at TCU uh, and not necessarily see, you know, double coverage uh, as much as he may have, uh, you know, in the big 12, uh, for example. So I like the upside with Johnston, uh, you know, in, in terms of projecting the body type and, and the explosivity out of him uh, to where I would feel confident taking him in the first. What's like the dream landing spot for him, do you think? Man, that's a uh that's a tough one. I mean, um yeah, I don't know what teams necessarily are like super high on uh on taking uh receivers uh this year, but um, you know, I think he would probably if he's more kind of in the range where he's around, say like the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, for example, or uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks where they already have, you know, a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin, kind of more to that middle part of the first round, uh, maybe as high as like the New York Jets at 13, for example. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, they they added a little bit of receiver help and they're kind of getting there, but still maybe feel like they could use a little bit more juice there. So um, yeah, probably still kind of one of those teams I'm thinking more so in, in kind of the middle part of round one okay jackson smith and jigba i have a very uh base level very very casual take here uh maybe it's just because they're both six one and about the same weight and maybe it's just because they both played at ohio state but I've watched Jackson Smith and Jigba play, and I see basically a carbon copy of Chris Olave. And Chris Olave did pretty damn well his first year in the NFL. And yet I feel like I see some hate on Jackson Smith and Jigba just because he plays at Ohio State. Like Chris Olave was one of the best rookie wide receivers this year, arguably an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Like, why why are people so low on in Jigba? Yeah, I think, you know, this past year, this past junior year for Smith and Jigba was challenging for him. He was kind of banged up with some injuries. I know his hamstring was really kind of ailing him at a lot of points, uh, you know, this season. So obviously, you know, you're not loving that, you know, coming out after your junior year kind of banged up. But to me, we saw enough from Smith and Jigba as, you know, a freshman and as a sophomore at Ohio State to where we can be confident in him as a player. I think he projects a little bit more in the NFL as a slot than a guy like Chris Olave, who I would have a little bit more confidence confidence in, uh, you know, on the outside winning with his separation. I think Smith and Jigba, you know, is a little bit stronger in terms of his agile route running. He, he's a little bit savvier working the middle of the field and uh, gaining leverage and separation from, you know, linebackers or uh, slot corners. So I, for me, I Smith and Jigba, you know, kind of one guy that I've seen kind of floating around in terms of a comparison would be like a Julian Edelman, you know, a guy you can put in the slot, have a lot of confidence in him to kind of work that middle area game, but you don't necessarily have, you know, super, super experience explosive after the catch plays or, um, you know, uh, extremely shifty route running. I think he's just kind of a smart player that um, is tough work, able to work kind of the, that middle of the field area. And I don't necessarily think it's a knock for him to play at Ohio state. You know, I, I think they developed some of the top receivers uh, on a, on a year in year out basis. So I think if anything, that kind of aids to the coaching he was able to get and, and maybe how he's able to step in a little bit sooner and be pro ready, even after kind of a banged up, uh, you know, not so ideal junior year for him. But I mean, you saw it in, in the Rose Bowl against Utah a couple of years ago, Eric. I mean, just an unbelievable performance. He's from Smith a very and good player. 
Yep. Yeah, he, he can make things happen. He, he's got enough upside to where you can be confident taking him in the first round. But uh, again, I, not a player I'm looking at and saying lock to be in the top 10. You know, there's question marks, obviously, uh, there to be had, too, in terms of the size and the durability, obviously, after a year where he was banged up. But uh, I think that, you know, Smith and Jigba has shown enough as a playmaker to where uh, you can be confident in him being, you know, a strong receiver in, uh, you know, in a trio or even potentially a duo um, of, of strong talent. Jordan Addison, as a guy that watched a lot of Pac-12 football this year and, uh, you know, a lot of Caleb Williams. Addison is honestly the guy of these three guys that I have the most questions about, Ryan. I'm going to say something you might disagree with here, but I don't think he's a great route runner. Like, I think a lot of what USC did with him was use his speed and his ability to get over the top and become a vertical threat. And I don't know. I didn't see anything that made me think, oh, man, this guy is a really special route runner. And there are plenty of guys that aren't special route runners that have success in the NFL. But they used him like Tyreek Hill. And he just doesn't have the same speed as Tyreek Hill. So I just don't know how that's going to really translate into the NFL. Yeah, no, it's very fair. And yeah, I mean, I, I think he probably has kind of the body type of a guy like Jalen Waddle, for example, but not quite the the same exact, you know, burner four three speed. Addison ran at four four nine at the combine. But I, I I don't know. I think he is a solid enough route runner. I think kind of, you know, he, he uses his pacing well in his routes. Like I feel like he's very sudden in his breaks. Um it, it reminds me a little bit of Jerry Judy from a few years ago coming out of Alabama, who I think was a more polished route runner, but I think Addison has some similar uh kind of just like play intelligence to where he knows how to kind of win against dbs consistently i mean you go back to some of his tape uh when in 2021 when he was playing with kenny pickett i mean it just seemed like he was wide open you know almost every single play and uh had almost half of the production that kenny pickett had uh you know that year addison won the blitnikoff award for the best receiver in college football transfers to usc last year he even gets banged up a little bit at times this year himself and uh you know didn't necessarily have as dominant a year as I maybe expected, but uh, I'm, I'm still high enough on Addison to where he's shown enough to me where, um, you know, he can get involved, be kind of a, a high catch volume uh, target more so than a super explosive player that we got and in a Quentin Johnston, for example. But uh, I, I like Addison overall. Um, I think kind of the the fear there is maybe he just turns into a guy like D.D. Westbrook from a few years ago from Oklahoma where, you know, he's got production and, you know, he's got some athleticism, but just never kind of puts it together in a complete package. But, um, you know, as I said, it's not necessarily as deep a receiver year. Uh, and Addison has been a, a very productive player at a couple programs. So I think he's shown enough to me where he would warrant, a, you know, consideration for a late first round pick. Yeah, uh, I, 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 he's definitely probably a first round player. I, I certainly wouldn't disagree with that. I just would be wary of I don't know I'd just be wary of taking him I, I I don't I don't love I don't I do not absolutely love um I I just I don't absolutely love yeah Jordan Addison he's yeah he's, I think coming into the year for me 
coming in for the year for me, I, I was hoping that Addison would kind of establish himself as the wide receiver one of this class. It was kind of he and Jackson Smith and Jigba, who unfortunately both dealt with a little bit of injury. But I was hoping we would see a little bit more from Addison, you know, this junior year. I know I mentioned he had a, an injury with his ankle, missed a couple of games, um, you know, this season. But um, was definitely hoping for a little bit more from Addison. So um, it is a little bit more kind of projection based and, and more a little bit of a, of a developmental guy um, than we would have necessarily hoped. But um, I think the talent's there. I think somebody could kind of channel it. And we know, you know, as you said earlier, you know, those end of first round teams, say he goes to a team like Cincinnati or Kansas City or Buffalo, uh, you know, one of those kind of top tier teams in the NFL, I think he could have a lot of immediate success there. Yeah, you know, I think that's totally fair. I mean, adding a Tyree Kill type to the Kansas City Chiefs, we've seen how that usually goes. So, uh, you know, what, you know, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I just wouldn't love it if he went to one of those earlier teams. It feels like he is he's kind of quarterback dependent. Um second round guys. Yeah, I've got I've got four guys that I kind of feel in this kind of tier two is kind of a blend between rounds two and three for me, just kind of day two guys. But, um, you know, was hoping for a little bit more depth out of some of my film study um, in this, but actually one guy that I've been very high on, um, you know, as this season emerged, really kind of had a big breakout year. Can you just lay them out here all at once and then I'll, I'll go through them. Yeah, I'll go all four of them. First one for me is Jalen Hyatt. That's what I was kind of getting into receiver from Tennessee. I also have Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Zay Flowers from Boston College, who I think I've seen a lot of people have him as a first round guy. Uh, I still think he's good enough to be, you know, picked here, but not quite as high as a first round grade on him. And then also Josh Downs, uh, receiver from North Carolina, uh, are my four uh, that I have here in tier two. Jalen Hyatt watched a little bit of him a few weeks ago. He was the first actually guy I watched. Fine, but. I think as long as you're projecting him to be kind of a number two wide receiving option, I think you're you're totally fine with taking him in the second round. He seems like a very explosive player. Yeah, no doubt about that. Not necessarily kind of that high catch volume guy that we were just talking about with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison. Hyatt is more of kind of that straight line. I'm going to run a go ball and Hendon Hooker is just going to kind of throw it up for me. I'm going to run under it and make a play. Uh, I give Hyatt this nod to where um, he is kind of my my top guy in this tier, basically because he did it in the SEC. I mean, we saw this guy put up ridiculous numbers, had a five touchdown game against Alabama that will go down in, you know, Tennessee volume volunteer history as one of the greatest performances that a receiver will have in a game. I think Hyatt doing that at the SEC level, even though he has a little bit of a smaller frame, a little bit of a smaller size, you know, he has a little bit uh, to make up for um, with his arm length. You know, that, that obviously is a, is a big thing, you know, kind of takes a little bit of time away from your 40 when it adds to your, you know, athleticism. So while Hyatt, you know, he wasn't necessarily the most productive player over the course of his career at Tennessee, you know, really kind of blew up this year, established himself as a reliable downfield threat and i think on day two of the draft there's a lot of uh, a lot of teams that are like yeah we we're looking for a guy that can kind of stretch the field vertically and um you know hyatt's one of the the speedier players um that you can find for for a big play threat and doing it at the sec at the highest level the closest thing you can get uh to simulating nfl competition on a sunday um that gives me a lot more confidence in hyatt's ability to do it um even with you know not necessarily that multi-year of production that i typically like to look for in receivers yeah can I tell you my favorite guy uh, of sure. all all the guys you like? I like Quinn Johnson. Not fine. 
I, you know, I don't do this as in depth as you, but occasionally I find guys that, you know, not everyone loves or aren't projected to go in the first round, but I'm just like, man, this guy's going to be fun and I'm just going to be part of the hive. Um, I got to make sure I get the name right. God, Zay Flowered is, is so much fun to watch. Like so much fun to watch. He's making crazy catches over the top of like three defenders while running in full stride. Like he he's got, I would argue, the best hands of anyone I watched. He he's a pretty decent route runner. He's got some speed. Like throw him on a team. I don't know. He could emerge as a guy that's a real playmaker for a team in like a year or two. It, I, I I don't know. How do you feel about Zay Flowers? Am I am I crazy to be this high on him? To me, I, I think he has some of the most upside of this entire group that we've talked about thus far. Yeah, I, I think that Flowers is probably among the guys that I'm actually lower on in this receiver class. So, no, I don't think you're off base at all. I've seen a lot of people that had him, you know, as a first-round player, as a maybe a top two or three receiver in this class. I think that reasons for that are that Zay Flowers did have consistent production over his career at Boston College. Um, you know, I, I think that he's among the the leaders in terms of touchdowns and receiving yards, has similar career stats to Jordan Addison uh, in, you know, extra seasons. You know, he was a senior uh, at Boston Boston College, all the other guys we've talked about so far are all juniors at their school. The thing for me with Flowers that, you know, I, I have my own questions on is, you know, we kind of see these kind of gadget guys come up and, you know, you look at a Debo Samuel and you're like, gosh, we wish we could get this short, super explosive player, work him into our offense, use all this creativity. But, you know, for every one of those guys, there's, you know, the the guys that are small and shifty and speedy that don't necessarily plan out uh, at the same time. So you need to find out, is Zay Flowers going to be kind of that outlier guy or is he going to be kind of like a you know a Miko Hardman for example where it's like yeah he's a he's a factor in our offense he's got some speed but not necessarily a guy we can kind of build our offense around and that's some concerns I have with say Flowers did run a strong 40 at 442 but uh you know his size is is a little bit lacking for me at 5982 uh, you know short arm lengths which you know I I I'm I've been a guy in the past where I'm like you look at you know the height weight and you're like you know I, I want a good football player and when you watch it you do see a good football player and say flowers but i just wonder where is the ceiling there uh with flowers can he you know work up to a way a, a position where he is like a debo samuel i definitely have my doubts on that um even if he could be kind of a creative player in an offense i just kind of wonder where is that ceiling really i wouldn't be as confident taking flowers in the first round just because of the questions i have on his upside yeah you know the, the size is a fair question but i think you get in an NFL nutrition program and like within a year, he can easily get to like 200. Like he, like it's, it's not hard for these guys to put on 20 pounds of muscle. Now these days, it's just, it's just not. But then and, you question, would he lose some of his speed? Would he lose some of his four, two speed? If you, you know, throw on 20, 30 pounds of weight. Sure. But I mean, you, you, you can coach speed. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I just really like him. He's he's one of these guys that I'm just I'm just uh, really yeah. high on. I, I think I disagree with most on flowers. I'm definitely lower than the consensus. Yeah, uh, one guy I I wanted to ask you about. So we talked about uh, Jalen Hyatt, Zay Flowers. Who were the other two again? Sorry, they escaped yeah. my mind as we I were had Marvin about. Mims from Oklahoma and also Josh Downs from North Carolina. Okay, didn't get a chance to watch either of them. Marvin Mims, 
uh, I just get spooked because Denzel Mims was just so terrible as a, as a pro player, just very, very bad. Uh, what, what's Marvin Mims profile like, like who, who, who are we looking at here? Yeah, I am a big fan of Marvin Mims. Uh, he's played his last three years at Oklahoma, been a big factor in that offense for really all three years. Big, big, big play threat. You know, he's kind of another kind of the, the short, uh, quick guys on the outside. Ran a, a sub four four forty at four three eight, and I think he's been a, a really strong player at working with different quarterbacks during his time at Oklahoma. Uh, really, four different quarterbacks he had in his his time at OU, uh, and was a pretty consistent, you know, big play weapon for him. Uh, averages almost twenty yards a catch. Uh, I mean, OU was just chucking at the ball. Incredible ball tracking. You know, pretty good hands as well. A tough player. Uh, so I think Mims is is a little bit under the radar. I'm not necessarily sure why. I think I've always been a fan of Marvin Mims personally. I think he's certainly worthy of of consideration in round two uh, to be drafted. Um, but you know, I I I uh, yeah, I'm I'm higher on Mims than others. So I'm not sure what what I'm necessarily missing. But I see a damn good player, a consistent player in Mims, and uh, I think he could be you know a, a solid role player. You know, a day two pick uh, for an NFL team as a deep threat. All right. Here's uh, one of my final questions here before I ask you about maybe a sleeper. One of the guys you sent me on your list. So I'm I'm kind of a periphery LSU fan in that I just, every time LSU's on a big game that doesn't really conflict with Utah, I tend to watch LSU. And Keyshawn Boutte. Yeah. Like, this is a guy that in college was very hyped. Like, very, very Five star very, 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 very hyped. What happened? Like, what are what like what what are your thoughts on him? Can he be because people kind of when he came in, like people were like, he's not Jamar Chase, but he's pretty close and he's pretty good, and he just never really got to that level. Now, that said, uh, LSU took about like half the season last year to figure out their passing game, but like what is Keishon Boutte and can he translate at the next level? Yeah, all all very well said. Yeah, I mentioned while you were touching on that, you know, Keishon Boutte he was a five star recruit coming into LSU. He's from Louisiana. He was hyped up. You know, there there was a lot of buzz around Boutte thinking he could be the next kind of Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson fit into that mold. And we saw the flashes of it. We see times where he'll catch a pass over the middle and, you know, use his rack ability and uh, make things happen after the catch. You know, I, I wouldn't say he's a, he's a big receiver, but a little bit more average size compared to some of the other receivers we were talking about, excluding Quentin Johnston who are a little bit more undersized, but you know, it just kind of never fully clicked. You said it, LSU's passing offense didn't necessarily all the way come around. Boutte dealt with a couple of injuries. He dealt with an ankle fracture uh, in 2021, uh, which cost him, you know, a lot of the season and even was a little bit banged up at times last year as well. So, um, you know, just never kind of fully channeled that potential. You know, I, I think that kind of brings up an interesting question. You know, is it is it him or is it, you know, a situation where we can kind of channel all this talent uh, at the NFL level, bring him into your own program? That's obviously where landing spot fits. I have Boutte actually as my top receiver uh, going into day three of the NFL draft. You know, I, I, I could totally, you know, I'm kind of on the fence on, you know, if I would take him and say the third round, for example, because you see the talent 
balance there, but um, just never kind of fully unlocked, um, you know, that potential uh, at LSU, which is too bad. But I do think there is a lot to like explosive player, you know, uh, and uh, and has good hands, too. So, um, you know, sometimes it, it hits in the NFL and sometimes it's like, oh, this guy never panned out. We don't want to make excuses for a player. We want to take a guy that was actually great in college, you know, uh, no issues with injuries or anything like that. Didn't make excuses. But, uh, you know, other times you, you see that high end potential hit. And a lot of times on day three of the draft, that's a good time to kind of, uh, you know, take your shot at those type of players, which is why I have Booty uh, ranked in tier three, day three uh, of the draft right at the top. Yeah. Okay. Here comes uh, the inevitable. Eric just watches a ton of college football in the state of Utah. So he wants to know where, what you think about a few guys, but I, I'm sure some of these guys you probably haven't even gotten a chance to look at yet, to be uh, completely honest. Uh, Brian Cobbs out of Utah State. That's kind of a big name. Uh, had a big year at Utah State, spent a lot of time at Maryland. Do you know anything about him? Thoughts on if he's a draftable player? Uh, I haven't really scouted him too much, Okay, uh, to be honest. All right. Yep. No worries. I I, I, I just wanted to throw that out. I should have done better and prepped you on that one. Hey, you know what? Uh, uh, you know, here's what I'll say. You you tried to hype me on Devin Tompkins last year, didn't yeah, you? That, well, that didn't season, work so. because he was small. Yeah, he was really small. <laughs> He was that yeah, for sure. That that didn't that didn't work because he was small. Um BYU doesn't really have anyone like Nakua. I don't know if you know no Yeah, if... I've seen a little of Puka Nakua, but I don't think he's anything more than a late round flyer, probably an undrafted free agent. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of figured. He's kind of got a size issue too. Um uh, he's a little bigger, but yeah. All right. Well, this I mean, do you, want, do you want any more sleepers? You want? Uh, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, give, give, well, give, so I give, didn't get to talk about uh, Josh Downs too much. Who was my last guy in tier two? Okay. But um, kind of a similar, same thing. He's a smaller guy, but he's a little bit more of kind of a possession slot receiver. Can catch you know fifteen balls in a game. But uh, seems like have, seems you know. like there are a lot of those like possession slot receiver guys this yeah. this draft. Yeah, they're pretty like Jalen Hyatt, Zay Flowers, Josh Downs. They're, you know, the same guy. They like they're Gordon similar. Addison's kind of just a high Addison's level of that. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The the guy though that, you know, there's a couple guys that, you know, have some size, shown some flashes. You know, are they a guy? Are they not a guy? I don't know. Probably the guy I like most in that group is A.T. Perry from Wake Forest, redshirt senior, six foot three. 198 pounds runs a 4740 long arms uh, and was an incredibly productive player at Wake Forest uh, during his career uh, really really sudden route runner you know good after the catch tough player uh, I listened to a couple of interviews he had seems like a really heady guy so I think A.T. Perry is definitely a, a really slept on guy definitely gave some consideration to throwing him in kind of that day two day three mix but um, didn't quite get him there on my list but um, I think A.T. Perry is definitely one of the more underrated guys um, you know in this draft uh for sure wanted to give him a shout absolutely anyone else deep deep sleeper that that you might be kind of interested in yeah well you know i don't know if like how how much i want to call this sleeper but tank dell is a is a redshirt senior receiver out of houston is is very is a similar guy to all the other guys he's a small receiver but kind of an explosive player uh, i i wasn't necessarily as high on tank dell as others but you see a little flashes there i i more so look at kind of the you know the the big sec receivers like can we get a guy that uh you know doesn't necessarily have to make as big an adjustment there's kind 
kind of two. Cedric Tillman, redshirt senior from Tennessee, teammates with Jalen Hyatt, but six foot three, two thirteen. You know, kind of your prototypical big. Uh, you know, X receiver. Um, uh, you know, has the potential to kind of look the part, step right in. Thought Cedric Tillman showed some nice flashes at Tennessee, but you know, like I said, there with, with Jalen Hyatt, that offense is pretty similar. You know, they're just you know they're 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 wanting you to go deep and they're going to chuck it to you. So there's going to be an adjustment period for Tillman regardless. Uh, just trying to learn a different route tree. And then Jonathan Mingo is the other guy, a senior from Ole Miss. Also another guy that has the size, has the speed, but wasn't necessarily the most, you know, consistently productive player uh, at Ole Miss. But uh, I kind of like some of those guys that, you know, come out of the SEC. As I said, you know, they're going up against guys like Keely Ringo, uh, you know, uh, at Georgia or uh, some of the other top corners, uh, uh, you know, out of the the uh, the SEC as well. So um, those are a couple other of the sleepers I have high on, on day three, Cedric Tillman and Jonathan Mingo. All right. Great. All right, Ryan. We might have to push things around, but I would would like to try to do one of these next week. Maybe maybe our regular show on Sunday next week will be also a draft special as I don't yeah. see any any big news happening uh, over the next uh, week. And, and even if it does, we can all, we can we can work it in. What should we do next? Should we just get the quarterbacks out of the way right away? Or, or like, should we kind of tease people on that? What do you well, think? Well, okay, here's what I think. You know, my my draft opinion is that this draft is, sl- is the strongest at the cornerback position. I think there's incredible depth. So uh, maybe we can make people wait about some of the quarterbacks a little bit longer, hit the other backs, the the, the DBs, the the cornerbacks. I think this is one of the best years for, for corners that we've had in quite some time. Great. Let's talk about corners. Uh, that that that'll be a ton of fun. Until then, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Go thank listen you. to Ryan on the Rodeo on the Horn podcast. And Donnie, Reason. Donnie as and, well. And Donnie as well, but you're here. Uh, did a great MLB preview earlier this week. With that being said we'll get out of here thank you so much for listening we will be back per usual on sunday and look for an nba podcast coming out this weekend until then we will see you next time peace out